His names define Him. He has many names. You know, there are so many different names that are used to describe the many different aspects of God's many faceted character. He is amazing. You know, I preached on some of the different names of God some years ago, and I think it might have been a one or two part uh, message series, I'm not sure. But I just recently have just been pondering and thinking of how wonderful all the names of God are. And you know, God does not have all those different names that describe Him just to have many names. Each and every name given unto God define the completeness of His character. We can declare that He is our all and all. When we define all His many names, we can gain a better understanding of all that He is. When you understand all that those names mean, you understand Him better. My friends, God is not lacking in any aspect. And when we understand the meaning of the different names of God, we can know Him more fully. We can grow in our relationship with Him. Know Him more intimately. Before I go any further, let's pray. Before I get too far into this and forget to pray, right? Heavenly Father, we just give You praise and glory and honor. Father, I thank You that we can call You Father. That we are Your children. That is one of Your names. That we can call... You, Father, that we are Your sons and daughters. We thank You for that, that that we can inherit eternal life. We thank You, Father, for Your presence in our lives. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit that dwells within Your children. Lord, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We just thank You that Your Spirit is present with us today. And Lord, I pray that Thou would have Thine own way today, Father. I pray that every word spoken would bring glory and honor to Your kingdom. Father, that our ears and our hearts will be open to what You have for us today. And Lord, again, that You would be glorified, that Your name would be lifted high. Well, we know that You have many names, but we know that You are an awesome God. And one single name cannot define You because You are such an awesome God. We just give You the praise and the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, I know that there's one name that most of you are probably familiar with. Most of you, I'm sure, have read the story of Moses, and we know that Moses thought that he was going to defend one of his brethren. We know that Moses, you know, he lived in the palace. He was raised under Pharaoh, but he knew of his heritage. He knew that he was a Hebrew. And so he had it in his heart that he was going to, he was going to deliver them. He was going to save them. So one day, Moses, defending one of his Hebrew brothers, killed an Egyptian soldier. Then you all know the story. Moses had to flee for his life. And he went out and lived in Midian, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Forty years he was out there. In forty years, I truly believe myself that Moses is still probably thinking about his people. I'm sure he was concerned about his people back in Egypt, still suffering under harsh labor and slavery. And I'm still sure that he's thinking that he was the guy. But then, again, maybe he thought, maybe I'm not the guy. But God appeared to him one day in a burning bush. That bush that burned but did not burn up got his attention. 
God had a plan for Moses. So we'll pick it up in Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. And God had told him that he was going to go and deliver the children out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he's thinking in the back of his mind, I already tried this once and it didn't work out too well, right? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His holy word. So God is the great I Am. Though God is greater, as I said, than any one name can fully describe. He is the great I Am. I found a a little illustration about a guy defending his name. After the American Civil War, the managers of an infamous Louisiana lottery approached Robert Robert E. Lee and asked him, if he'd let them use his name in their scheme. They promised that if he would, he would become rich, very rich. Astounded, Lee straightened up, buttoned his gray coat, and shouted, Gentlemen, I lost my home in the war. I lost my fortune in the war. I lost everything except my name. My name is not for sale. And if you, don't, if you fellows don't get out of here, I'll break this crutch over your heads. <laughs> Lee was defending his name. How do we respect our names? You know, I looked it up, because I don't know, I've never really looked it up before. The name Ronnie means a boy, as a boy's name, is a Hebrew or Old Norse origin. I didn't know that, that it was Hebrew. Meaning, mountain of strength or ruler's counselor. Am I doing a good job being my ruler's counselor? I pray that God allows me to to bring honor to that name, right? Every name of God is good and perfect. Every name. But you know, when we read our modern Bibles, there's a lot of names given unto God that we're not going to see in here. We won't see them. Why? Because they're Hebrew or Greek. You know, we'll just see God, we'll see Jesus, we'll see Lord. We will not see a lot of the names that have been given unto God. Or he's described as. There's so many names. Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahweh Jireh, Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh Shalom, El, and many more. Many more. We're going to go over some. I don't know how long this series is going to last. So this is going to be a series. There are so many. But every name used for God ought to be revered ought to be revered because God is worthy of our respect. God is worthy of our reverence. 
So today I'm probably only going to cover just the beginning of one. I want to begin with L. E-L. E-L. L is the Hebrew word for God. It's that simple. L is the name for God. It comes from the root word meaning might, strength, power, and it's probably derived from Ugaritic term for God. When El was used to describe God, the true God of Israel, it is almost always used with constructs, additional words that distinguish Him as the true God rather than the false gods, little g-gods. El Eshad means one. One, Eshad means one. E-C-H-A-D. I may not be pronouncing that correctly. No, E-S-H-A-D. I'm sorry. Eshad. So El Eshad means one God. One true God. You know, the prophet Malachi, in his day, the people had began to neglect God. And they failed to to live according to God's will. But not only the people, the priest. The priest who were responsible for leading the people of God began to improperly offer sacrifices to God. They were not worshiping God themselves. They were worshiping God in a corrupt manner. And what happens when you have corrupt leaders? The people will follow suit. You have corrupt people, right? The priests themselves became a stumbling block for the people. In Malachi 2, and I added some verses. They may only have 7 through 10 up there, but I'm going to do 1 through 10. And now, O priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already, because you do not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuge on your faces, the refuse of your solemn feast, and one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and turned many away from iniquity. I want to pause. My friends, what is our duty as believers? To walk in peace, to walk in truth. Why? That we may turn many away from iniquity. To turn others away from sin. That's the the duty of the priest. Aren't we all called priests of God? To turn others away from iniquity. Now verse 7. For the lips of the priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. Have we not all 
one Father? Has not one God, El Ashad, created us? Why do you treacherously, why do you deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of the fathers. The priests had failed to be good leaders. They had corrupted the sacrificial ordinances that God had given the priest. Again, if you have corrupt leaders, you're going to have corrupt people following. They offered the blind, the lame, the sick, animals to God as sacrifices. My friends, this is not pleasing to God. The sacrifices offered to God were to be the best, without spot, without blemish. We were speaking this morning also of Abel's shed blood, that his own brother shed his blood. Why? Because the sacrifice that he offered was not pleasing to God. But Abel's was. And Cain became jealous and shed the blood of his innocent brother. Do we offer God our best? God does not want our second best. He wants the best that our, ha- our lives have to offer. The first fruits we are to offer to God. And Malachi 1 verse 11 says, From the rising of the sun even to its going down, My name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to My name. In a pure offering, not an impure offering, but a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. By faith, we as Christians are to believe that there is only one true God, El Eshad, and that He is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You say, well, you just said one. Yes, there's one God, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, the Great Commission declares the Trinity. Matthew 28, 18 and 19 said, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One God Three parts, but one God, the triune God. Isaiah 44, 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. Beside me there is no God. Friends, there is only one God, one true God. El Ishad, one true God. But you know, from ancient times to the present time, There's been thousands upon thousands, probably we could say millions, of false gods. One source that I found said that Hinduism recognizes millions of gods. I don't know how true that is. If they did, how could they possibly keep them all straight? Praise the Lord, we only have one that we have to keep straight, and that is the God of creation. The God that breathed breath into the life of man. The God that said, let there be light, and there was light. The God that separated the spans and, and created the, the heavens, the stars, the sun and the moon. The God that filled the, the seas and the rivers with life, with fish, and they're still expanding and multiplying. The God that created the cattle and all the creepy things that crawl on the earth. The God that breathed life into man. 
That is the God that we serve, right? You know, Islam teaches that there is one God whom they call Allah. So don't be confused and think that Allah is the same God that we worship because He is not. Allah is not a triune God. They do not recognize Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit. So if it does not recognize Christ, it is a false God. So Allah cannot be the same God that we worship. 1 John 2, 22 and 23 says, Who is a liar but he who, does, who, do, he who denies? I'm going to back up. 1 John 2, 22 and 23. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? So how could they deny Jesus as the Christ and say they're worshiping the true God? They can't. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. My friends, we acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Son of the living God. Then we can have the Father also. Now I know there's some radical Islamists out there who would love to cut my head off for saying that. But the Word of God is true. And we to abide by His Word. We are to follow His truth. In our Wednesday Bible study, we've been studying the book of Revelation. And this past Wednesday, as we started chapter 17, where one of the seven angels who had the bowls talked with John and said, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now to make sure that we all have a clear understanding of what fornication is. I don't know how I get sidetracked from the names, but fornication is sexual relationship between two unmarried people outside of the confines of marriage. And yes, adultery is different, because in adultery one of them is married. But fornication is outside of marriage, people having a sexual relationship, unmarried people. That's what it is. And today we're living in a time where it is widely accepted that it has become the norm in our society. But does that make it right? No. No matter what the world says, it does not make it right. Because God says it is not right. Fornication is wrong in the eyes of God. No matter what the person's age is. Does anyone listen? I'm telling you, you can't say, well, well, we're mature adults. We can make that decision. No. God's Word says it is wrong. It is an unrighteous act. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. My friends, it says they were. That is a key word in this passage. They were. That means they put that lifestyle behind them. 
They're not living in it any longer. So yes, those that maybe used to practice fornication or used to practice adultery or drunkenness can be forgiven, can enter into eternal life if they put it behind them. Let God sanctify them, cleanse them from that lifestyle. Make them new creatures in Him. You know, there's plenty of pastors out there that will tickle the ears of their congregation. Tell them it's okay, God is love. God would not condemn you to hell. It's okay to continue living in that lifestyle. Friends, it's not okay. It's not okay to keep living in a lifestyle that is contrary to God's laws and God's moral character. We can't continue to live in adultery and think we're okay, we're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to happen. 1 Corinthians just told us in black and white. Yes, God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 defines God as love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. But brothers and sisters, do we love them enough to tell them the truth? Do we love them and are we concerned enough for their souls to tell them God's truth in a loving way? Not a condemning way. But I care for your soul. Get right with God. Walk in His ways. The priests were leading the people down the wrong path. They weren't telling them the truth. They weren't living the truth. Friends, God is also a judge. And He will rightly judge those who refuse to repent. The fornication referred to in Revelation 17, though, is speaking of spiritual idolatry. Being unfaithful to God. Following after idols. Following after false gods. Friends, there is one true God. El Ashad. And He alone is to be revered. He alone is to be worshipped. We cannot worship many gods along with God. Paul addressed a town he went into. They had all these false gods and then they had to sign up to the unknown God. Let's make sure we get it right. We're going to get them all. No. The only way we're going to be right is to worship the one true God. El Ashad. God, one. No other. There is no other way that we can enter into eternal life. If we worship idols, worship these false gods, that is fornication against God. Plain and simple, it is fornication against God. Matthew 7, 13-20 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. We must bear good fruit. We must proclaim the truth. 
We must proclaim the one true God. We must proclaim the narrow way. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If they deny Christ, they will not come to the Father. We cannot live in fornication. We cannot follow many gods. I have a lot of Scripture today. Jude 1, you're not going to have this one. I didn't send it. Verses 5-8 through and 17-21. through It says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. You see, He is a just God. And the angel who did not keep their angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting chains under the darkness for the judgment of that great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. They reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. But you, beloved, remember the word which were spoken to you by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on, the, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The prophet Malachi warned the priests in his day that they were guilty of going about their duties in a careless manner. They had ungodly attitudes. We are warned today do not treat the blood of Christ with contempt. When we sin, we are trampling the blood of Christ. Do not teach that it's okay to live in sin. You won't hear it from this pulpit, from this person. But we must turn from sin. We must repent. Paul says, how can we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? How can we live in it? If we're dead to it, we are to be dead to it. That's what baptism is all about. The old man is buried, the new man is raised up. The old woman is buried, the new woman is raised up. We must repent. A popular Christian song titled, You Are My King, says, In all I do, I honor you. In all I do, I honor you. The priests were lacking honor. Honor for God. How are we doing? Are we honoring God? Are we honoring God with our lives? Are we honoring His name? Are we worshiping Him as the one true God? Pastors and leaders in our churches today who overlook sin? I mean, how many overlook it? How many churches are there couples living together the pastor just turns a blind eye. Oh, what a sweet couple. But we ought to be calling them out. 
as pastors, as priests, as leaders, as God's children, as God's people, in a loving in a loving and compassionate way. Point them to the truth. Say, listen, I'm not condemning you. You're condemning yourselves. But do it with love. We should not condone it. Because we don't want God smearing refuse on our faces like He said He was going to do to the priest because of their willful disobedience to God. Doing it their own way. Friends, we are called to do it God's way because He is the one true God. He is faithful. He is merciful. But He is also just. We need to have that reverent fear of God. Friends, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Is it not? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's be wise and let's fear the one true God. Amen? We'll get to another name next week.